Christ has a mission in the earth, and you're a part of it. This message uh, I preached at Grace Evangelical Church in Congo Town in Liberia. I hope you enjoy it. But uh, most, more than that, I hope that you will be involved, and it will motivate you to be more involved in Christ's Great Commission. Last weekend, uh, we had a team of the Evangelical Church of Liberia spent, a gr- spent uh, time in Riverside County in Bardia. Uh, we went out there to have a medical outreach to support our missionary, local missionary who is there planting in Riverside in the far western part near Sino County. His name's Sam Foley. We had completed the medical mission and were done. Uh, we actually, I had already left. Several of us, five of us had already left. And most of the ground team had stayed behind and were just enjoying an evening together when they, re- re- when they got word that one of the ladies in the town had fallen off. So... Uh, Two of our members went rushing there to her home. They checked her. She had high blood pressure. They treated her. And then in the morning, they got her to rest. And in the morning, they went back and checked on her again. Just doing what they do. Uh, we, were glad, they were glad, we were glad to be there to, to help someone who had a need in a place where it's six hours drive to Buchanan where the transportation is $6,000 Liberian dollars to, to make it from there to, to Buchanan. Very expensive. And then when you arrive in Buchanan, you may or may not be able to find medical treatment. And so you may have to come on to Monrovia. And who has money for all of that? So we're grateful to have been there. That lady may have passed away that night, if not. The next morning at church... Everyone gathered in the church to celebrate what God had done. And the lady who had fallen off the night before came with her husband. And at the end of the service, as I am told, Reverend Pay informed me, the uh, husband asked to address the church. He said he wanted nothing to do with this outreach. And from the beginning, he's wanted nothing to do with this church. In fact, he left because of the outreach to be out of town when it was happening because he wanted nothing to do with it. He said, but God brought you people to save my wife's life last night. And I came to say thank you to you, thank you to God. And I want to ask, how is it that I can become a follower of Jesus too? You see, today's passage that we have before us is Paul's request for prayer from the church at Colossae for Christ's mission to which he is called and to which all of us are called. And he is encouraging the Colossian believers not just to pray, but to live their lives and to to deliver with their mouths the good news of Jesus Christ in word and in deed to those around them. And so we see in this passage of Scripture here in Colossians 4, if you look at the outline of the the whole letter that's behind me, 
you will see we're in a section where we have come now to the end of the second main section of the letter, which began at chapter 2, verse 6. And now we are at the end of that. And here Paul, which is typical for him when he writes his letters, he asks for prayer always in the beginning and in the end. He typically does that. He did it, uh, we see that he does it in Romans, he does it in Ephesians, he does it in Philippians, he does it in 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, he did it in Philemon, and in Ephesians, he did it as well. And so as we see, we come to Colossians, we see that at the beginning of Colossians, he asked for prayer. At the end of Colossians, he asked for prayer. So here is Paul in Rome writing these letters asking that he would be faithful to preach the word clearly in Rome as he is chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day awaiting trial before the emperor's court. Now Paul and Timothy are closing this letter and they're repeating the most important things that they want people to remember as they, as, uh, they close this letter off to the church at Colossae. And so what we see here is a marriage of what is spiritual and what is practical. Alexander McLaren, the great uh, Scottish Baptist pastor from the 1800s, he said this passage helps us connect the outward with the inward, with the practical, with the spiritual, the Mary with the Martha. And so that they both operate together. Paul wrote this passage of scripture to teach Colossian Christians to be persistent in praying for missions and for, to make a priority of going on outreach to non-believers. So I want to show you today what God's Word says about Christ's mission, both in our community, in our country, and around the globe. So the first thing we want to see in this passage today is that Paul asks us to pray for Christ's mission. This is what the God's Word says here, to pray for Christ's mission. You know, and out of these verses that are here, the majority of them are about praying. And he, so Paul puts a huge importance on prayer. He says, in prayer, be continually persistent, being on the alert, in thanksgiving, praying together also for us, in order that God may open a door for us of the word, <coughs> To speak the mystery of Christ for which I am enchained. In order that I may make it known as I ought to speak. Well, Paul is using all kinds of important words here. And I want to go over a couple of these words with you. One of them is that he says we need to persist in prayer. We don't give up. We must remain at it. We must be loyal to it. We must occupy ourselves diligently with prayer. He says we must pay persistent attention to prayer and to pray. Prayer is the, is, the, is the focus of what he's saying here. In fact, if you take this word that's used for devote yourselves and you look at it every place you find it in the New Testament, almost always the object of that verb is prayer. Devote what? It's always devote yourself to prayer. And he says be persistent with it. He also says you need to be on the alert. He says you need to keep awake. 
And the image here for this word comes from standing guard duty as a soldier. You should be, you should be standing and watching. But what should you be watching for? Not for the enemy. He said you should be watching for the return of Christ. You should be looking forward to him. The, the expectation that he's coming. He said you're not looking for him. You're not standing on guard worried about what's coming and fearful. You're standing on guard looking with thanksgiving for who's coming down in the sky. Who's coming on a white horse? And we're looking for him. He says you do it with thanks. The letter to the Colossians is probably one of the most thankful books in all the New Testament. You see about thankfulness all the time. In fact, thankfulness balances watchfulness. He says we're watching for Jesus. Why? Because we're thankful for what he's done. We're looking not with anxiety, not with fear, not with, oh, the end times are coming. I'm so fearful. No, the end times are coming because we're thankful and we're confident and we have assurance that our God is coming to save us and rescue us from the mess we're in. Jesus is coming back. And we have great joy and we look forward to him. We anticipate his return. The Holy One of Israel will ride back one day on a white horse. You know, he went in a city one time on a donkey, but he's coming back on a white horse. And so he is coming in victory. At the town of Normo de Tondo on the border with Sierra Leone. There is no way to get medical care. It's so hard to get there. No one wants to go and try to serve those people. If you get sick with a virus or an infection, or if you get a snake bite, or if you break your arm, or if you get a puncture wound, there are no options for you. You suffer and you probably die. You can't find anyone who knows anything and there are no antibiotics. There's no malaria medicine. There's no pain medicine. And the country medicine is rubbing dirt into the wound, which gives it more germ. So in September of 2018, the Evangelical Church of Liberia led a medical outreach there to support our local missionary who had gone there to plant a church. Now this area is almost entirely Muslim. The Gola people are proud people. Two centuries ago they were capturing the neighboring tribes and were selling them to the Europeans and the American slavers to send them to slavery. A hundred years ago the Gola people resisted the Liberian Congo government in the, Gola, in the Gola War. The Eco had, has this church planter that we placed among, up there. We went, he went without any guarantee of support, either from his local church or from Eco. We just communicated, when we have something, we'll send it. But he had no guarantee. But he was there serving faithfully. And the medical outreach was to go and help him in his work. Well, word got out about the, the outreach. And between two and three hundred Sierra Leoneans showed up 
for the medical outreach that no one was expecting. The church planter, Momo Lawson, encouraged the Liberians to be hospitable and to let our guests go to the front of the line, which meant the Liberians may not get served because the medicine may run out. But he stood and proclaimed the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to the people. And he invited them to respond. Unbelievably, 29 Sierra Leonean Muslims from among the Mende came to faith in Christ after being invited one time. It was so unbelievable that when I told missionaries who have worked with Muslims for many years, they said, well, we'll see. I don't know about that. And so there was some question in the air until our church planter, Momo Lawson, received a message from across the border about three weeks later from these people saying, please, can you come over? We, don't, we only have mosque here. Can you come and show us how you're supposed to have a church? We don't know how to do that. And please bring the book with you that tells about Jesus because we want to know how to worship him. And so four years later, we have at least six equal churches on the Sierra Leone side. Even one Catholic church asked to become an equal church. And so we're seeing God move. That kind of joy and anticipation that they had of the coming of Christ and the, and the gift of salvation and the message that is given both by the local church planter and the team going on mission for God. We stand on God duty, watching for Him. And until then, we work, we pray, and we do everything that we can to see the kingdom of God birthed in people's hearts. When I first arrived, went to one of my first ecole pastor meetings, was in Takpoima. Uh, just in, is it in Bomi or Bapulu? I don't remember. But it's in Bapulu. And so it was in Takpoima. So they told me, uh, we're taking you to a pastor meeting. I said, how many churches? Oh, 10 churches. I said, okay, so I'm thinking 10 pastors, maybe one other leader. So I'm thinking 20, 20, 30 people will be there. So it'll be a small meeting. When I arrived, there were over 300. Like, wow, where are all these people coming from? Most of them were women. And I learned that many of them had come from the mosque. And because they're not allowed to read and write as Muslim women, they would come to the meeting to ask the pastors questions about the Bible so that they would know what the Bible said about how they should live. And so as we were there, they would have a long question and answer, one hour, one hour and a half. Just allow these women to ask their Bible question. One lady stood up and she said, I want to encourage all of you women who are struggling with your husbands who are beating you because you don't go to mosque anymore, you go to church. She said, last year I stood in this very spot and I asked for prayer for my husband because he was beating me because I refused to go to mosque and I wanted to go to church. He was not happy with me. 
But then I told him I wanted to go to a five-day church meeting. And he was so vexed with me, he beat me brutally. She said, I stood here a year ago, and I asked for prayer for him for his salvation. And I asked you people to pray. When I went, he said, no, you will not go on that church meeting. Who's going to wash clothes? Who's going to cook the food? Who's going to take care of the children? Who's going to clean this house? She said, well, I don't know, but I'm going to the church meeting. And he beat her worse that night. But she was determined. She got up the next day, and she went, even though she was hurting. She went to the meeting. She was gone for five days. The man was in a rage. He said, hmm, that woman will never come back in my house. I'm finished with her. In fact, to make his point, he took and closed all the wooden doors on the house. He took and locked every window, and he locked the door. And to make his point for everyone in town to know it, when he crossed the bridge to go stay for a week with his girlfriend, he threw the key into the water in the river. He said she will never go by that. So she did not know about that. She was at the church meeting. She was there for all day. She enjoyed it herself at the church meeting. And on Friday, she was coming home. And she said, well, you know my husband. I know he's having a hard time, having a hard week. And I think what I will do is I will make him a really nice meal for when he comes home today from Friday prayer and mosque. And he will have something nice to eat. So she stopped at the market and she bought fish and she bought rice. And she came back to town. When she arrived back into town, huh, what happened? Someone died? Why is the house all locked? Something bad must have happened. What's happening here? So she, but she had the fish and it was very hot. So she said, I need to do something with the fish before it's spoiled. So she went to her neighbor and she asked to borrow a pot and a fire. Sure, you can do it. Can you like me to help you clean the fish? They said, sure. So they began to clean the fish together. One of the fish, when they cut it open, out fell a key. They looked at the key. And they said, have you ever seen anything like that? She said, no. She said, my neighbor said, that look like the key that goes in the lock in your house. She said, no, 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 that can't be. She said, yeah, well, try it and see. So she put it in the lock and it opened. She went around to the window, opened everything. She said, oh, this will be very nice. I will be able to clean, have the house all clean and aired out when my husband comes home from Mars. He will be so happy. So she began to cook the food under the kitchen in the back. The man got out of Mars and he was walking home and he looked and he saw smoke coming from the kitchen behind the house. And he saw all the doors open and he flew into a rage. I know if I find that woman has, has busted into my house, I will kill her. I will finish her. She better not have broken a lock or a door or nothing. He went down. He checked the door. Nothing's wrong. He checked the lock. Nothing's wrong. He checked the windows. Nothing's out of order. 
He goes around to the kitchen. He didn't say, hello, I miss you, I love you, uh, how was your week, nothing like that. He just said, how did you get in the house? She said, well, the strange thing happened. And she told him about the fish. He didn't say nothing. He ate his food and went to bed. The next day, Saturday, he spent a whole day. He did not speak to her. Said nothing to her. Saturday evening, when they eating his supper, when he was sitting at his food, he said, Hey, this church you're going to. She said, Yeah, you got a problem with it? She said, I want to know if I can go there tomorrow. She said, Well, sure, you can go. No problem. You can go, you can not go, I don't care. So he went with her. She was afraid to be too excited about it, right? So she went to church. He did not participate. He did not sing. He did not, he did not do anything, speak to anyone. He just sat. When the service was over, he said, I want to speak to the pastor of the church. I want to, the imam of the church, I want to talk to him. And he said, she said, it's a pastor. Oh, okay. I want to talk to the pastor. He said, without you. I don't want you there. She said, okay, no problem. So he went to speak to the pastor. He told what happened. He told about the fish. And he said, something going on here. And I want to know what's happening. Because it's clear to me that the God of the Christians is the true God. I'm not you see, when we pray, we pray for people to come to faith in Christ. They will come. And we have to not only pray, we have to, number two, we have to live Christ's mission. Num verse 5 says, We shall walk in wisdom toward those who are on the outside, making the most of every opportunity, of all the appointed times. So here he is at the end of the letter. We would expect Paul and Timothy... To, to repeat some of the important things, and they do that right here. And he says that we should be careful about outsiders. There's this separateness between believers in Jesus Christ and those who are on the outside of the kingdom. It's an, it's an important distinction. Not in some proud or arrogant way that we somehow are better than anyone else. That's what they do in the bush. They, they act like they have all the information, and the people on the outside don't have nothing. No, for us, we have the light and we want to shine our light. We want everyone to know what we have. Not because they're on the outside, not because we want them to be there, but because we are excited about the opportunity to show them the good news as well. And so he says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. He said that what we should do is we, we need to, he said, make the most of every opportunity. That word is so important in the, in the, in the uh, original language. It actually literally means you intensively buy as much as you can. So you go to the market. You go to the market and you, 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 you get there and you see chicken tie for almost nothing. Selling for almost nothing. And you check it, and it's fresh, and it's not, no problem with it. You don't understand what's going on, but you see it's a great, great bargain. 
What will you do? You say, well, I didn't intend to buy a lot of Thai chicken Thai today, but since it's a really good price, I'll buy a lot of it and take it home, right? So you intensively buy it. You see the opportunity and you buy it. Paul's saying, with people who are on the outside, who don't know Christ, when you see an opportunity, buy it. When you're sitting in a taxi and the driver is going along, you take the opportunity. The man can't jump out of the car. You, got to, you can talk to him and tell him about your experience with Jesus Christ. He can't run from you. And he can't argue with your story. When someone bothering you, they can't run off while they're cutting your hair. If you're sitting there, you have an opportunity to share Christ with them. When you're, when you're doing business with someone in the market, they want to sell to you. So you have a message to give them from Jesus Christ. You can tell them the story of how you came to know Jesus Christ. They're not going to cut you off because they want to sell to you. They will listen. There are many people. There are many people who are hoping and looking for something. And they can't find it. They can't find the hope. One day I was at ERWA and I was waiting on. Uh, you remember when Ernie Fry was here. I was waiting on him because I had, I had bought sandwich for him. And, and his um, salmon cake who came with him. And I was waiting and waiting. And this woman came and sat next to me on the porch at the guest house. I didn't know her. And I didn't really want to talk to anybody. I was tired. But she sat with me and began to pour her heart out that she didn't feel like living anymore, that her, her husband left her and got a girlfriend and he won't provide anything for the children. And she, and she sometimes she, she came over here to clear her head and she, sometimes she feels like not living anymore. Wide open opportunity. I was not interested in, I didn't, but I was tired. I didn't want to do it. But I shared Christ with her and I led her to Jesus Christ. She lives somewhere in Barnesville. And then, so we intensively buy. Last weekend, we were, when we were in Bardia, a man brought his son in his arms to us. He had a swelling under his throat. And they examined him. And you could see the lymph node on this side was getting very large. And he had an infection. He was burning and he had sweat. And they said, what's happened to the child? He said, well, he has not eaten in three days. And he has not drank anything in almost two days. So this was a serious situation. He was three and a half years old. So we treated him and said, bring him back, back tomorrow if he's not better. The next day they brought him back. And they said, well, now his throat is closed so much he can't, he can't swallow his own spit. It's coming out of his mouth. He can't get it down. So we knew the airway was closing. And if nothing was done for that little child who just had a throat infection, just needed a simple antibiotic, his throat was good, he would, die, he would have died Saturday night. 
beautiful little three and a half year old boy. But one of our team members said, hold on, something told me to bring a vial of hydrocortisone. I don't know why I brought it. Let me go see if I can find it in my bag. He went running. About 10 minutes later, he came back. He gave the boy a shot in each leg. In 30 minutes, he was eating cream of wheat and drinking water. <laughs> On Sunday, he came to church with his son as well. And he said, God sent this people this weekend to save my little boy's life, but it was to arrest me. And so today I want to surrender to Jesus Christ and give my life to him. And so, you see, what we do, we must live Christ's message. We must live it. Are you walking in wisdom toward your friends and your family who don't know Christ? How do you talk with them? Do you talk down to them as if they are beneath you? Because you are a Christian and you know better. And the kind of life they're living is no good. Do you shame them? Or are you attracting them to Christ? Do you treat them with arrogance and pride? Or do you treat them with humility and try to attract them to Christ? Do you lecture them only on their sin? About what they should not be doing? And don't tell them about the Lord Jesus who gives them power over their sin? Are you loving them into the kingdom? Are you winning them toward the cross? And not pushing them away? With your speech and with your action and with your attitude. No, we don't participate in their sin. We don't compromise on holiness. But we do open the door. Our job on mission is to live Christ's mission. And to open the door for others who do not have that opportunity. The third thing that we need to do is we need to speak Christ's mission. We need to speak Christ's mission. Verse 6 says, let your word be always in grace with salt that seasons to know how you ought to answer everyone. Colossae is a church that Paul wants to be involved in its community. He wants it to be communicating and talking with the people around their church, not in some holy huddle where we come and we do our own thing and we don't associate with anyone else and then we go. He says we should be having re regular conversations with unbelievers in such a gracious way that we will give plenty of opportunity to give testimony of our faith. And, and he says and make it salt that seasons, meaning that we need to make it conversation as interesting, not Boring, not bland, not conversation that pushes people away. If someone gives you food and you smell it and it's smelling bad, are you going to eat it? No, no. you're going to push it away. But if you receive uh, someone, you receive a bowl of food and if you smell it, it's like, oh, this is my favorite. It attracted you, right? And that's what you want to do. You don't want to give a gospel that will make people say. That's smelling bad, I don't want it. You want someone to say, oh, I've been looking for this. Oh, I've been 
take it all. You, that's the kind of person that Christ wants you to be. We also, last weekend, had three little boys who came. Their mom brought them from a neighboring village of Gumu. There in Riverses, Peter, Paul, and Sam all came with their mom. And she said, I've been praying and searching all over for someone who can help my children. They had inguinal hernia. And she was really hoping that we could help. But we couldn't help. We couldn't do anything there. Because it required surgery. And we can't do surgery on a left outreach. So I took their picture. I prayed with them. And I said, let's see what God will do. Will you pray with me that we can find a solution for your children? Because I realized that in Liberia, with a hernia like they had, they would not, no one will marry them. Then they will not have a family. They will have a hard time with education. They will have a hard time finding jobs. So I came home, I prayed, and I decided to put their picture on Facebook. Within 30 minutes, I received a message from a guy in Atlanta who has a ministry here in Liberia. He already communicated with Dr. Mikey and Wells and got an approval for them to come to ELWA Hospital and have the surgery from one of our surgeons. One of them was here this morning, but I don't think he was the one who did it. And for them to come, and right now, the two, one of the boys, there were two twin boys, seven years old, and one eight-month-old. Two of them were born with the condition. And so when they, they are, they are at EIW Hospital right now, they've had their surgery, and they're checking to make sure they're okay. They'll go, if they're fine, they'll go back next week. One of them had uh, two hernias. One of the little boys had two surgeries. But this is what we're talking about. We need to live Christ's mission. We need to speak Christ's mission. We need to pray Christ's mission. Brothers and sisters, do you not understand that the day has passed where the white missionary comes from the wealthy nation to come to benighted Africa to share the gospel with people? That's, that day's gone. It's over. Do you realize that in eight years, Africa will be the largest Christian continent in the world? That there will be 800 million Christians on the continent of Sub-Saharan Africa? Do you not understand that? Do you realize that God has put you on the planet at this time, on this day, in this time period? People around the world want to know what you think because you will be the largest Christian group in the world. They will want to, your leadership, they will want to hear from you. You will take responsibility as the largest Christian continent on the planet. In eight years, there will be 800 million Christians in Africa. Amen. Listen, the day of the white missionary coming to do something for you is done. It is now time for the Africans to take the baton and take the gospel north to North Africa. To take the gospel to the Middle East. 
to take the gospel to Asia and Central Asia and the highlands of Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan. It's time for the Africans to take the gospel to Europe and re-evangelize those godless people in Europe. It's time for the, for the Africans to go to Brazil and to South America. It's time for Africans to say, I'm called as a missionary to Canada. It's time for Africans to go to hard places that no one wants to go in Africa, where we have pockets of resistance to the gospel, and to go there and sacrifice their lives for the benefit of people who do not want them there to take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to them. It's your responsibility. You are now the leader. You have to take the reins and you have to take responsibility and you have to be called as missionaries to go. It's not your job to sit and receive anymore. It's time for you to give. It's time for you to go. It's time for you to take responsibility for what God has given you. It's your commission as well. Brothers and sisters, in the town of Blaita, in the Gola Forest, Reverend Pei had given the gospel message at a medical outreach that we did there two years ago, I think. He drew a circle in the ground, on the ground, presented the gospel to them, and he invited those who wanted to receive Christ to step into the circle. In front of the town elders, the town chief and the paramount chief, all of whom were Muslim, nine brave men and women stepped into the circle, risking everything. They could have been thrown out of their home and out of town, or they could have been done away with. They risked it all. The paramount chief who had come to shut down our outreach was treated for high blood pressure. And, and his relief from his symptoms was so great, he says, you people can do whatever you want to do here. And then after he shared the gospel and the, and the outreach had begun, the town chief came privately to Reverend Pate and said, I want to speak with you behind the house. Well, you know, if you've been through the war, you know when someone says to you they want to do something behind the house, it sends a cold chill up your spine, right? Reverend Pace said, okay. They went behind the house where he wanted a private place to speak. He looked at Reverend Pay and he said, you know I'm a Muslim. Reverend Pay said, yes, I understand. He said, well, even though I am, I want to ask you people to please put a church in our town. We need your kind of people here. You see, we need to live the gospel. We need to speak the gospel. We need to pray the gospel. We need to live the mission. We need to speak the mission. We need to pray the mission. When we walk in genuine love toward others as a representative of Christ, we attract people to the good news. Do you realize that nobody had ever been to that town? That's a Pele town in the Gola Forest that goes all the way back a hundred years to the Gola War when the Pele fought on the side of the Congo government. And they stayed there after the war was over. So there was separation between them and the Gola people around. And said, so has anybody ever come here? 
to do uh, anything like this, a medical outreach, anything? I said, I don't think so. Someone said, well, anyone ever can do a vaccination campaign here in this town? They said, yeah, I think so. Yeah, let me go ask. I'll ask the health officer. And they go on. And a few minutes later, they came back and said, yes, we have a vaccination program here. They said, oh, yeah, when? 1989. That was the last one. You see? You have to go and take the gospel where nobody wants to go. You have to be someone who will take responsibility and say, I will go there. Those people are valuable to God. They were made in His image. And they need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ too. Are you living and speaking as a Christian at work? Are you attracting people to Christ at your school? Do your children see one type of person all week and then a different type of person in their pa or their ma on Sunday that they don't recognize because the way you're living during the week and the way you want to be, be living all holy on Sunday is so, so totally different they don't recognize you? Are you kind to outsiders? Do you talk to people you don't know? Are you friendly? Do you speak kindly to the woman in the market? Do you look for an opportunity to, to say something about your life in Christ to the person you're meeting on the street? What will you do with what you heard today? Is it time for you to make an, a, a new commitment to pray for Christ's mission? Is it time for you to make a new commitment to live and speak Christ's great commission to others? Maybe today you realize you're on the outside. You're not, you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. And you want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Because something inside of you is drawing you to the message of God's Word. That's not an unusual thing. All of us in this room who have come to Christ have experienced that. Conviction of our sin. Realizing that we have offended God and we want to ask Him to forgive us. And that we need to be saved. We all who have come to Christ have experienced that. If you have not experienced that, then you need to ask yourself if you know Christ or if you are just a church member or if you're just a person who's religious. Those people go to hell. It's only people who have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, confessing their sin, admitting their sin, and then turning control of their life over to Him, making Him Lord, the boss man of their life. Those are the people who are saved. Have you done that? I'm going to leave you in prayer right now. And I'm going to ask you, if you have not made that commitment, if you sense the Lord leading you, drawing you, I want you to pray in your own way, in your own heart. I'll lead you somehow roughly, and you will, you will work out finally in your heart between you and God. Let's pray. Lord, I admit to you that I am... A sinner, I have offended you in the way I have acted, the way I speak, the way my, my mind thinks. 
I've been offensive to you. I've sinned against you. And I ask you to forgive me. So Lord, I ask that you would save me from myself and my sin. And that you would become Lord of my life. You would give me the free gift of eternal life that I cannot earn. And I cannot work for. A gift I must receive. Lord, I receive that gift now and I thank you for forgiving me. Thank you, Lord, for filling me with the Holy Spirit. Now help me to learn your word, the Bible. Help me to talk with you, to pray. Help me, Lord, to find my way into a Bible-teaching church where I can grow as a new believer. Thank you, Lord, for your gift of eternal life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you pray that prayer for the first time today, then that means that you have crossed over from death to life. That your default destination was hell, but now it has been changed. And now Christ has given you a free gift, and now you have hope. And you have an eternal destiny, which is with Him forever in eternal life. Not only waiting for eternal life, but it starts now. He begins to empower you now that you will live differently and that sin will not affect you in the same way. We met a guy who was, who was a drummer in a church at our outreach in Bardia. He said, I've been a drummer for years in the church. And I came one Sunday and I needed a drummer, so I started drumming. Nobody ever asked me about my soul. All these years, I've been wondering, how is it that I can come to church and I can drum and I can sin and it doesn't bother me? I can live in sin, I can do anything I want, it doesn't bother me, but these other people talking about it bothering them. I don't understand. But today I understood because Pastor Pei gave an invitation, he preached the gospel to them, he gave an invitation. That man responded and he says, today I understand I have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I have to confess my sin and turn control of my life over to him. He said, for the first time in my life, sin's bothering me. It's bothering me already. And now I realize, I don't want to sin anymore. I want to follow Christ. And all those years, he'd been drumming, and it was all religious exercise, social exercise. He just being with his people. But on that day, last Friday morning, he came into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We're going to sing a song and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper because it is first Sunday. So I want to uh, ask you, what is, a, what is the hymn number we're going to use today? Page 19 at the cross, if you'll take your book.
Christ's Great Commission is simple, but it's all-encompassing. I hope you've enjoyed this message. You can find this podcast on Spotify, on Apple Music, or iTunes, uh, and other platforms around the internet. I encourage you to subscribe, and God bless you.